that cow. Is there a bit of a... She was, um, argy bargy? I think there might have been a bit of argy bargy, yes. Okay. I couldn't work out. I could only see one side of the argy. Right. I couldn't, couldn't see, see the bargy. bargy. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode one of the Fine Food Podcast with me, Sam Wilkin. So just last week, I was lucky enough to head down to Devon to meet the great Mary Quick of Quick's Cheddar. Now, Mary's family have been farming in the area since the early 15th century. And you get a real sense of the heritage and the passion for the place and the product that Mary has. She's an incredibly inquisitive, energetic woman. And sometimes I struggle to keep up running around the farm, checking out this, looking into that, looking at the cows, uh, trying the cheese, going into the cheese room, going out into the fields to hunt for clover. It was a a really brilliant afternoon and, and a real pleasure to spend some time with someone who's a true force of nature. So I hope you enjoy episode one of the Fine Food Podcast. You find us initially by a field of cows discussing pasture. Just for us, for our cheese, for the flavour that I'm looking for in our cheese, um, you know, we're doing what feels right to us. Um, you know, and it's not that one system is better than the other. You know, you say, oh, well, that's a very intensive system. Well, we think we're grazing intensive because our focus is really intensive to have the grass. We go out and measure the grass growth rates once a week. Uh, you know, we, they, get, they get rationed, if you like. We don't do rations of to how many kilos of cake or how many kilos of this, that or the other in the, in the feed. We ration by how many, how many kilos of grass they need. Okay. We left the cows behind and headed up the hill to the massive cheese-making facility where the guys were cleaning down after an early start, making Quick's cheddar. Uh, obviously we've been making cheese since this morning. We've got the vats here. We'll bring the uh, milk, which we pasteurise, uh, uh, into these vats. Mm. We'll add starter. The starters we use are the heritage starters. Yeah which were derived from the best cheese dairies in the 1960s and the 1970s. And originally they would have come from whey starters, so originally from the bugs that live on cow's udders. Oh, wow. So okay. that they're really a rich, rich microflora, mm. um, uh, um, which, which we use. And they come as a, like a yogurt, yogurty stuff. I think they've got some that I've got for my breakfast. I really like, <laughs> I really like it. And... As opposed to industrial starters, which will be freeze-dried starters, mm-hmm. will be two main species, Lactobacillus lactis, Streptococcus cremoris, and now a lot of um, industrial cheesemakers use Helveticus. Okay. Because those two starters give a thin acidic and better cheddar. Right. And so people tend to add that Helveticus, and yeah. giving that those very sweet... It's a bit like a really sort of... So alcoholic Ribena Australian Red. Yeah, right. I mean, it's really easy to like, yeah. really mm. easy, but no depth, no length of flavour, mm. but, you know, really, really acceptable. A good, kind of good basic cheese. Mm. And what we're looking for here, and what those starters give, is that rich complexity of flavour. Okay. And, and where we will be making different cheeses, if, if you like, each cheese will taste slightly different, whereas you use those, you know, ones with much more limited strains, and it will pretty much taste the same. Well, you you get that lovely variation on a daily basis. Yeah. That, that, that's so yeah. exciting about cheese, yeah. you know, that you get the harvest once a day sort of yeah, thing, rather absolutely. than well, actually, yeah, harvest twice a day. Yeah, yeah, right, okay. Because because you've got lots and lots of different bugs in the mix. 
tiny, tiny differences mm. in timing and temperature and acidity mm. will different of those bugs will come to the fore. And so we headed back outside into the sunshine where we carried on our discussion about the finer points of making a good quality cheese. We cut the curd into, into these shoe box yeah. sized blocks and we pile that out one on top of the other. And what that does is as the acidity is developing, which would tend to hold moisture, at that point you're squeezing it which is driving moisture. So it's the rising of the acidity and then the weight yeah. of, of, the, of the blocks on top of one another that's yeah. pushing it all and out. It's so it's its own. Down and it's going through its optimum acidity growth, but you're cooling it down yeah. slightly below that. So you're getting these two things going on at once. The cheddar make, like a lot of the cheddar in the English territorials, is a rapid acidity make, but nevertheless you want to drive moisture out and we don't want the acidity to go too fast. Okay. So we drive the moisture out. When it hits, it, so that process is called cheddaring. Right, there we are. So it's a very, it's that very distinctive thing that we as mm. cheddar makers do. At the point at which we've got the right acidity, you know, and every cheese maker will have their definition yeah. of the right acidity. Ours is 0.49 lactic acid for our cheddar. And at that point, we will chop it up into little bits, mill it, mm. and add salt. And it happens we add Cornish sea salt. We'll then put it into um, a cloth-lined mould. The first cloth that we use is a, we call a scrim. It's, it's cotton, but it's a heavy, it's, it's like a sackcloth. Uh, and that's to drain the uh, curd. A little bit of moisture will come out when you press it, mm -hmm. you put it into, into pressure in, in a press overnight. We'll bring it out the following morning. Uh, we'll then dunk it into hot brine uh, and that seals it. Yeah. We'll then put that back in the mold the cloth line mould and it's like a heavy sheet and that we call the smoother and that's to form the, the a nice smooth rind mm. and then put it back in the press following morning we take it out of the press dress it in a muslin cloth dress it with lard and muslin mm -hmm. and and that and we put it back in the mould to really seat the cloth mould uh, take it out the following morning and then take that down to the store okay. and it's at that point that you well let, let's walk down yeah, and go and have a there look. Yeah, there we are. So this is it's where things... It's a bad job when you start talking to your key. <laughs> <laughs> right. Here so we go. Cheese, wow. This is cheese made in July and August. Okay. Um, it's starting to grow its mould. Um, we're just starting to understand about the whole microflora of the rind. Well, we were at an... I was attended an event where that was, that was very much in evidence, the, the, the swap, the cheddar yeah. swap. The cheddar swap. Yeah, it was really Jamie, interesting. Wasn't that amazing? Yeah. We're just beginning to understand. See, it's beginning to grow its microflora. Here. Yeah. Here you are, just a month... Uh, well, this is uh, August. Okay. Uh, Gosh, look at that. And this is all in the air. It's all here. It's all very much it's an integral there. part of this room. It's, it's, it's here. Yeah. It's this place. Yeah. So not only have you got the microflora of the soil, the microflora in the cow's rumens, you know, mediated by what the, that breed is, mm -hmm. you've got the, those amazing starters, which have got this complex microflora. Mm. You've got all, you know, the cheese-making variants. Yeah. And then you've got this microflora in the rind. And as you say, when we did that amazing thing, swapping cheeses over with Jamie Montgomery, mm. swapping them over for 14 months, 
completely different flavour. Swapping them back again mm. uh, for, for, I think, two or three months. Yes, yeah, so you were finishing, was it one of the Montgomery's that was yeah. finishing back at Montgomery's? Yeah, right. yeah. another flavour again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how wild It was is so that? marked. And what I find fascinating, so obviously you're farming the cows. You're not, you're not farming the, the, the flora and fauna in here. Well, well, what is farming? You're sitting on top of these intensely complex processes. You're pulling some levers mm. and you're saying you're doing some stuff. What's, what's doing the doing is all that microflora, yeah. all that chemistry, physics and biology that's sitting down in the ground, that's sitting in cow's rumens, mm. that's sitting in the starter, that's sitting in this room. We call it farming, but we're not. We're just doing some stuff and a result is coming out that isn't, you're not, I'm not doing the and doing. A, and a lot of what you're doing, it is led, has to be led. You're almost riding it in a sense. Yeah, you're yeah, riding yeah. it out. We're and, sitting on top of these processes yeah. and we're saying we're doing some stuff. Yeah. If you talk to scientists, mm. what's really, I think, mega brilliant, cool, yeah. is you then say, they then, there's, at some point, they say, at this point, we really don't understand cheese maturation. Yeah. And, you know, you're in these books, you're reading these books that you don't understand. You, you understand every word, mm. but you read a paragraph and you have no idea what's going on. No. And so having a happy outcome, is that as much to do with learned knowledge, on-the-job knowledge, and, and I guess you call it craft, yeah. as it is to do with labs think, and science? And yeah, absolutely. Well, it has to be informed by the science, and that's really important. Right that we're not kind of in, this isn't magic. I mean, it is magic on one level. It feels level. a little bit like magic uh, though, Mary, like doesn't it? Uh, Mitchell, our cheese dairy mm. manager, what he says is, you know, we just have to do what we know to do as it's meant to be done, mm -hmm. kind of no more, no less. Back outside, I asked Mary about life away from cheese. I was doing a degree and then I was doing uh, a bit of radio and journalism and doing a, a postgraduate degree and I thought I just really want to go to, you know, I was so yearning for to live in Devon and my dad, what he said, he just, what he described is, you know, there we are, we grow the grass and the crop and we, uh, we the cows, we pasture the cows on the grass, feed them some crops, we take the milk turn that milk into cheese we uh, you know we store it and we sell it and you know the way at that point went to pigs and mm. the manure from everyone goes back onto the land to grow the crops and the grass and I thought oh wow this is so good you know dad can I come back please and he said yeah he's yeah. so happy that I wanted to so we soon entered the big barn where Mary keeps most of the cheddar and we were on the hunt for the elusive cheese mite we, the way that we manage the mite, yeah. we've got this amazing system which we invented. Okay. Which um, we, where we blow the cheese rather than vacuum. Yeah. You're not sucking the mites off. You're blowing. Well, them. we're sucking and we're blowing. Right? Yeah, yeah. Right. All the best things. Right. <laughs> I find you some mite. There was some actual some adult mite here. There's some here at the back. Yeah, you can. Yeah. So that was. Yeah. Yeah, which is much more of a kind of cavey, musty yeah. sort of, yeah. yeah. I mean, I love that, that we're in a room with this amount of cheese and we're hunting around for cheese mites. Yeah. Usually and, it would be... And these little ones Yeah, do, these are the mini they, truffles, they aren't they? will get... Um, because yeah, they're, they're drier, they tend to get mite much quicker. Right, OK. Because they dry out mite. OK. The cheese might eat the mould. 
Right. That's their food. That's their preferred food. Yeah. That's why they were storage sort of storage first. When if they if you've then got a population, uh, and they've eaten all the mould, they've got to eat something. <laughs> so they eat the lard. Yeah. And then you've got it started to get cracks in the cheese. Yeah. And then they can walk through the cloth, and then they can start. And they're right the all the way through it. They're right, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. we nothing that you can do. No. Uh, can get rid of them. And just from a retail like cheesemonger's point of view, that is a complete nightmare because you're cutting, you can't tell until out. you've opened the cheese up, and that's the thing. So this is our machine. Ah, look at this. this it's got a big sign that says, Cheese Mite Extractor, on a laminated bit of card. So we're stepping into the... And it's uh, not sort of like a sort of slightly grotty greenhouse, if you like. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's function, that's yeah. function. So I could fire them up if you wanted a little bit of a whoosh. Oh. Oh yeah, there it is. There it is. Oh yeah, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? Yeah. So you're. It's like holding your hand out of a car window on yeah, the motorway. That's right. Yeah. So you're creating a real sort of sucker there. Yeah. Through there, and then what we do is we then take this, which we've it's filtered air, but the sort of thing that you fill your car tires. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so if you put your hand out. Yeah. Yeah, look at that. So that will blow the mite off. Yeah, and yeah. And then because you've got this whoosh of sort of sucker there. They just naturally. They go into there and then they go through, go, go through a filter. And That's very canny. On our way to the calf shed, Mary and I stopped to talk briefly about the nature of time and farming. I think if you're urban, time sits in a straight line. Okay. And it's a cost. Whereas I think in a farming situation, you know, where you're related to the seasons, actually there's a sort of cyclical element to mm, time. Mm. And I think that's why, if you, perhaps that's why we're happy to give it the time, because we just know things take time to things will come get round. to that point. And yeah, I mean, you know, it was a drought, but it's not anymore, you know. Hi, babies. Oh. So people always get concerned, I don't know, it's a sort of classic, hello, baby, classic concern about... Um, People are separating cows from, cow, from okay. their mothers, calves from cows. If you've got newborns, they are, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to them. Yeah. They're very, very sad. Mm. Mummy's gone away. Mm. But actually, 24 hours later, where does food come from? Yeah. Do you see where does food come from? Food comes from people. Yeah. And they're, yeah. And they're bonded, they're bonded to their herd mates they're bonded yeah. to people and bonded to the herd mates yeah and and they will now come to the call because they know that if pe when people call they're gonna get fed they're gonna get fed yeah so that you know of course any kind of farming mm. is it 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 it's as i said pulling the levers mm. of the on the natural world mm. so it does involve a change from nature left to itself but I don't know how you've noticed that nature doesn't tend to offer you bits of cheese as you walk. No, nature's there. not, and also none of the none of these cows would exist no. without farming. So it's a, yeah, it's an interesting argument that. Well, it, it, I think it's really interesting. So what our responsibility is to make sure that those uh, our animals have you know the best life that we can give them, mm. and and you know that we treat them right, we treat our people right. Yeah. You know, and produce produce cheese that's fabulous. That's our job. That's your responsibility. Yeah, I think that's the way of putting it, absolutely. It's our joy and pleasure, actually. Yeah. Well, the whole thing's about joy and pleasure, yeah. really. Yeah. Because that's what cheese is. Coming to the end of our tour of the farm, we stopped in a beautiful pasture under blue skies, and Mary began to discuss climate change. Mm. 
did you know? Fascinating fact. I was absolutely so really interested in this. That you know we're so worried about carbon dioxide in the air, okay, and climate change, mm. and you know that we're worried that it's going up from 200 parts per million. You know we're worried about it hitting 400 parts yes. per million. Now, 100 parts per million is the equivalent of an additional one percent of organic matter across all agricultural soils in the world. Right. So if you were to, which would be relative, farmers know how to put more organic matter into their soils, for instance, yeah. by grazing, you could then take 100 parts per million out of the atmosphere and put it in the soil. By, gra- by grazing? By grazing. Everybody says it's the cows, <laughs> cows that, you know, cows and... So and you're arguing farmers. that the more cows that are grazing, yeah, more the animal, lower... Animals that are grazing. Yeah. Well, or... You know, there's a whole number of things. That How's can... that offset against? I'm not taking either side no. here, but how is that offset against the methane? Yeah, which okay. is the, the well, core the, you, of that argument. You worry about the methane, and the thing about methane is it's it's many times more climate changing, hmm. but it lasts for I think a few weeks as opposed to centuries right. in the air. Now, if you if what you're doing you you don't need to worry about the amount of methane in the air if you've sequestered enough carbon dioxide because you're not getting global warming. There you go. I was really interested. That's really interesting. Where did you come across that? Well, I, it's something that's been buzzing around my head. Right. Because everybody sees that um, farmers, you know, definitely farmers are on the naughty step with mm. climate change, aren't we? But actually, if you think about it, you know, what do we as human beings control? A core asset the core sort of global asset that we control. I can't remember what the numbers are. I think the land area controlled by people for farming is about 38%. Yeah, globally. Yeah, yeah. So if you take, you know, a foot of that, 30 centimetres of that, and you increase it from, you know, and in arable systems, your soil organic matter drops tremendously. Under grazing systems, soil organic matter rises. There are ways of growing arable crops by not ploughing or whatever it is. Uh, which increase soil organic matter, but the key, this stuff here, mm. what's happening here, the whole soil microflora, one of the things it's doing is, incre- is increasing soil microflora, and that is carbon. carbon and that's taking the, the carbon and holding it yeah. in the ground rather well, than having it in well, the atmosphere. Living things are carbon. Yeah, yeah, right. Living things are half carbon. Yeah. You know, well, other than the bits of the water, which is quite a lot of them. But so more life under soils, I mean, uh, uh, Soils under perennial pasture are much have much more life in them, and it is that life which makes the soil work, and which well as, as we've said takes takes um, carbon dioxide. So you know people you know, can save the planet. <laughs> that is controversial. So, so the future of quicks, in fact, is influencing global farming to improve it for everybody. Well, that's what I'm. That's the yeah, right. That's my game. Okay. Wash hands. Yes, thank you. Do you want to taste a bit of cheese? Love to taste a bit of cheese, Mary. And I love talking to Mary. It was great. I, I learned a huge amount about just the making of cheddar, about quicks in general, and, and about Mary as an individual. She's always full of information and passion about what she does, and I really hope that came across and that you enjoyed listening to our conversation. 
Next time, I will be at the World Cheese Awards, so keep an eye out for the next episode of the Fine Food Podcast. Fine Food Podcast is produced for the Guild of Fine Food by Selliman and Michael Lane of the Fine Food Digest. If you want to know more about the Guild of Fine Food, have a look at their website, which is gff.co.uk, and follow Selliman at Selliman Sam on Twitter and Instagram. 